Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us today through your story, our story, in the name of Christ. Amen. We've had quite a few difficult events happen in the news recently. In Orlando, a gunman shoots and kills 50 people. In France, Euro 2016 is marred by scenes of violence. And Labour MP Jo Cox, who was married, she had two children, age three and five. She was shot and stabbed to death in Yorkshire, and she was 41. But in all those stories, we also hear of great good. We hear of the bravery of Bernard Carter Kenny, who was 77 and came to Joe Cox's aid, and he's still in hospital. We all have experience of good and evil, and some of it is off in the distance, and some of it is close up and personal to us in our lives. This is humanity. I experienced both at the same time when I was in Ireland in a conference. Um, On 9-11, I was with a lady whose husband was in the Twin Towers, and we got news as we were in one of the sessions. And we left and we went out into the conference center. And there was great big screens. And you know how CNN just shows images again and again. And I'll never get those out of my mind. And yet, when she got a phone call and realized her husband was working that day, everybody gathered around. And I saw people loving, supporting. And later, we saw those images of people who risked their lives to save the people that were in those towers. So I'm encouraged about what is beautiful. But I'm also ashamed. I'm ashamed of that violence and that anger. And I'm ashamed that I might be capable of that too. Can I really distance myself from it? And when we look at creation, we live in a beautiful area. And we heard a couple of weeks ago about creation. And it's so beautiful and awe-inspiring. And yet it's also so hard and brutal. So the question I come with today is, why is life so hard? And yet so good. And where is God in it all? But today's story is a story of two people, a man and a woman, but it's also our story. When God made the earth and the heavens, he reached down into the earth, and out of the very dust of the earth, he made man. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of God to give him life. And he had planted in the east a garden. And he put in it lots of trees full of fruit that was good to look at and good to eat. And in the center of this garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he placed the man into this garden and he said, take care of it. You can eat of all of this fruit, but you must not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the Lord God saw that man was alone. And so he brought before him all the animals that he'd made, all the animals of the field and the birds of the air, one by one, and to see what Adam would name them. But no suitable companion was found for him. So the Lord God put the man into a deep sleep, and he reached into his side, and out of his very side he made woman. And the man woke up, and he burst into song, and he said, Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, I will call her woman because she was made out of man. And so man and woman were in the garden, 
And they were naked, but unashamed, before each other and before God. Now in the garden was a serpent. And the serpent was the craftiest of the creatures that God had made. And he came up to the man and the woman, and he said to the woman, Did God really say that you couldn't eat of any of the fruit in the garden? No, the woman said, we can eat of all the fruit, but we mustn't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We mustn't even touch it or we'll die. No, the serpent said, God knows that your eyes will be opened and you will know all things and you will be like God himself. And so the woman took the fruit and ate and gave it to her husband and he ate. And their eyes were opened, but they saw that they were naked, and they sewed together fig leaves and covered themselves up. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they were ashamed because they were naked, so they hid. But the Lord God came and he called to them, Adam, Adam, where are you? And so the man came out, and he said, we were naked. And I was ashamed, so I hid. So the Lord God said, how could you know that you are naked? Have you eaten from the fruit that I told you not to eat from? And the man said, that woman that you put here with me, she ate it. She gave it to me and I ate. And he turned to the woman and he said, what have you done? And she said, it was the serpent. The serpent tricked me and I ate. And so the Lord God turned to the serpent and he said, all the days of your life you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will crush your head and you will bite at his heel. And then he turned to the woman and he said, you will bring out children in great pain and your husband will rule over you. And then he turned to the man and he said, because of what you have done, this very earth that you came from is cursed. It'll bring forth thorns and thistles. And now you will get food through hard labor and the sweat of your brow. And at the end of your days, you will return to it because from dust I made you and from dust you will return. But Adam looked at his wife. And he called her Eve, because he heard that word of life, mother of all living things. And the Lord God saw that their covering of fig leaves was not enough. So he made them clothing out of animal skins and covered them. And then he banished them from the garden. Exiled. And that's where this story ends. A quote from Tom, and we're constantly glimpsing it. A whole nature at its very best and least corrupted, its gentlest and most human, is still soaked with the sense of exile. Of exile from what? From what they used to be, naked and unashamed before each other and before God in the presence of that very God who speaks creation into being. But in today's story, did you notice we meet with another side of God? An intimate God, a hands-on God. 
a God who molds man with his very hands, who breathes into his nostrils. A God who plants a garden. A God who speaks with us and walks with us. God with us on this earth. Can you imagine that? And they're naked and unashamed, safe, provided for, and free. And I thought about those two trees, and I wondered if those trees represent something of God himself. Life, knowledge of good and evil. And God tells a man that he can eat of the fruit of any of the trees, but not of that tree. Well, why not? We're not told, other than that he will die if he does. We can try and guess. We read in Ecclesiastes, with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. But should we guess? Are there some things that are just mystery? Is seeking to understand God and all things the whole problem? So back to our story. Temptation comes in the form of a crafty snake. Go on, do it, egging them on to take the risk. He's insistent and he keeps pushing. Seemingly innocent, but something far more sinister is going on. First, he suggests a greater restriction than there really is. Is God a spoil sport who just invents rules to stop us from enjoying life? I've heard that one quite a lot. But they don't fall for this. And the woman says, no, we can eat of all of them except this one. But she adds another thing in. We can't even touch it. Does she sense something of the danger of that tree? And the snake's next temptation is subtly different. He appeals to the desire to be wiser, to be like God himself. And we know the rest. But what did they really do wrong? Was it not trusting God? Was it disobeying his instructions, a bit of teenage rebellion? Was it wanting to be wise and make their own choices and their own decisions? Was it desire and greed? We always want what we can't have. We see it very clearly in children, but I think we're all the same. So this story raises many questions about the nature of sin. And it isn't just a story of beginnings and one man and one woman. It's our story we find the temptations that we all struggle with and all fail at some time. We read in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, am I really comparing those horrific scenes that I started with of violence and murder with eating forbidden fruit? It starts with taking something that's not ours to have, justifying our actions though we know that they're wrong. Blaming others for our situation. And what happens after they eat from the tree? They're ashamed and hide. Why? Well, they realize that they're naked, but they were naked before. But now they feel exposed. They feel exposed before God and before each other, and they feel the need to cover up. Everything has changed. But has God He calls for them, knowing full well what they've done. But they pass the blame, even on to God himself, the woman that you gave me. I wonder, 
What would have happened if they had admitted what they'd done without blaming? If they hadn't tried to cover up, if they hadn't hidden in the garden from God? How did they possibly think that they could hide from God? Shame, guilt, blame, it changes things, it breaks relationships, and it isolates us. And is it actually blame, pointing the finger at somebody else, that led to those murders and violence that I talked about at the beginning? And so there's consequences. Pain, broken relationship, sweat, exile, death. But it's actually only the serpent and the earth that are cursed. God doesn't curse man and woman. And there is hope right here, even at this moment. Childbirth, did he say childbirth? Life from us. The man is so relieved, he names his wife Eve. Life. Food, did he say we'll still eat food? We won't die today then. So it will be harder, much harder, closer to the dust that they came from and further from the God that gave them life. But God is merciful and he doesn't abandon them. He even provided a covering for them. Their own fig leaves wouldn't do at all. They wouldn't last five minutes. He made coverings for them out of animal skins. There was death that day, an innocent life sacrificed. And there will be many more deaths. And they were banished from the garden, no longer meeting with God every day. And that's the most tragic part of all of this. Relationship broken. Exile. But we know that this isn't the end of the story. It isn't the end of our story. God comes to us into the mess of this world, into our exile, and he still calls to us, knowing full well what we have done. He offers us a covering for our shame. And at the end of the Bible, the tree of life appears again. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Exile is not forever, but that is another story. Amen.